Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Today's scripture lesson is from John 6, verses 25 to 35. If you wish, you may find this passage in your pew Bibles on 972. Now this passage comes right after the miraculous feeding of 5,000 people with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. But before we start this reading, let us prepare our hearts through prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hungry for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in the ways of eternal life through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. Now when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, <laughs> not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Ah! Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What signs are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. <laughs> then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Then Jesus said to them, Ego me, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever.
So friends, Little Five Points is this cool, hip community at the intersection of five different streets. It's in between downtown Atlanta, which has the big five points, and Decatur, Georgia, where I live for 15 years, where I was teaching on the faculty of Columbia Seminary. Uh, Little Five Points uh, was one of the first places in the Atlanta area that, oh, converted an old elementary school into lofts, for instance. It attracted artisans and artists, and there were art galleries there galore. There were trendy eateries, all kinds of international foods. There were different kinds of shops there, a tattoo parlor. It was clearly an LGBTQ-friendly neighborhood as well, diverse It was a great place to spend the time just walking around. Interesting, good for me to understand and learn. I was meeting some friends there for dinner, and I got there early, found a parking space, which in itself could be a challenge. So I was walking around, and I walked into a store that had clothing as well as jewelry, just looking around. And there was a series of jewelry cases there, and there was a young woman who was looking, and a clerk came behind the jewelry cases, And she said, may I help you? And the young woman said, yes, I'm actually looking for a cross, for a cross necklace. Well, I I can't resist. So that piqued my interest, right? And so 20-something younger looking for a cross necklace. And so I sort of lean over surreptitiously just to see what's going on. And the clerk, equally a young woman, um, sort of bluish, purplish hair, multiple piercings, different parts of her face, um, said, well, the, the crosses are over here on this side. And so they looked over there together. And then the clerk said to this young woman who was shopping, hey, do you want a plain one or you do, do you want one with a little man on it? <laughs> do you want a plain one? or do you want one with a little man on it? Okay, so this is how I know that I am a sinful man who's in need of God's grace. Because in that moment, I wanted to say, excuse me, that little man, he is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, thank you very much. (laughs) But the spirit who is faithful, more faithful than I am, the spirit seized my heart and said, that may not be the best response, Nishioka, right now, the best witness. And so I said, I'm sorry, I I don't mean to be rude, but I overheard the conversation, and um, that, um, that little man, talking to the clerk, that little man, he is Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And she looked at me and said, okay, and moved on. Right, so that whole conversation just sends me, you can imagine, right? And so at dinner that night, I'm talking to my friends, and I can't get over this. I'm talking, and can you believe in a little man and a plain one? Can, I mean, in this day and age, can you believe? And my friends looked at me and said, Roger, you know, you people, which by the way, when that starts, it could go really badly, right? <laughs> like you people as an Asian people, you people in what? And, but they said, you know, you people... Over there at the seminary, all you do every single day is talk about Jesus. You write about Jesus, you read about Jesus, you sing about Jesus, you preach about, that's all, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The rest of the world doesn't do that. Maybe it's good for you to walk around here every once in a while. And that was the word of God for me that day. I thought, yeah, I'm in this little bubble 
and finally get out of the bubble and realize, yeah, not everyone is understanding who Jesus Christ is in the same way that I have staked my whole life upon this truth. We make the claim that this is the body of Christ. We make the claim that this congregation, this ministry is founded on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, who is the foundation that undergirds all of our life together. So I thought, you know, Nishioka, we've got to spend more time understanding who this Jesus Christ is and how we communicate Jesus Christ to the world. A few weeks ago, we celebrated Jesus Christ coming into the world with Christmas. And now that he's loose in the world, what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? So seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am, and he fills in the blank. This only happens in the Gospel of John. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus most often asks his followers, disciples, and others, who do you say that I am? But in the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ says seven times, I am. So over these next six Sundays, today and five more Sundays, I want to explore together with you and me what it means to be followers of Jesus and how we speak this Jesus into the world through looking at these I am statements. Today is the first one. And it follows, as you heard Charles say beautifully, it follows the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. This is a new story for some of us. This is a old story for others of us that's marvelous, whatever it is. The story goes that a bunch of people are following Jesus of Nazareth because he's teaching and he's preaching and he's healing and he's doing amazing things. And word gets out, right? So people are following him. And they come upon some place in the northern Galilee region where there's a lot of space, obviously, some 5,000 people. They've been with him the entire day, and people are getting hungry. The vast majority of people in the ancient world were day laborers. If they didn't work that day, they didn't get paid. If they didn't get paid, they couldn't go to the marketplace and buy food. If they couldn't buy food that day, they didn't, they didn't eat, Right? So those folks have given up the entire day's labor to follow this Jesus of Nazareth, and they're getting hungry. And so the disciples come to Jesus and say, send them away because they're getting hungry. And Jesus, as he's apt to do, completely messes with the disciples and says, well, instead of sending them away, why don't you give them something to eat? And they're like, we can't. There's a lot of people here. Jesus says, find out what you have. And they find, as Charles said, five loaves and two fish. A little kid apparently has them. There's no record whether they forced the kid or the kid was scarfing down a loaf behind a rock somewhere. And they said, hey, he has food. But anyway, they find five loaves and two fish, right? Jesus takes those five loaves and two fish, blesses it, breaks it, gives thanks for it, and shares it. And it is enough for 5,000 people in the Gospel of John. And there's leftovers, Then the disciples get into a boat and they leave. Jesus apparently doesn't get into the boat. Nobody sees Jesus Christ get into the boat. So the disciples get into a boat and they leave. They go across the sea. 
And then eventually the people also follow because they've had their share of food, but they also want to continue to follow. So they follow, and this is where verse 25 starts. This is where it picks up. 25 says, when they, who's they? Yeah, good, the people. When the people found him, who's him? Jesus, good. When the people found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, which means what? Oh, good, golly, you're good. Rabbi means teacher, right? Hebrew for teacher. They said, teacher, when did you come here? That is a completely legitimate question because remember the previous day after the miracle, they saw the disciples get into the boat, but they didn't see Jesus. Now they followed in their own boats and and they see Jesus and they're like, okay, how did you get here? Because we didn't see you leave yesterday. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Jesus says, you're looking for me not because you saw any signs from heaven, but because yesterday you got a free meal, and today you also want a? You want some more food. You want some more free food, okay? Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. He's giving all kinds of hints. He is setting up this first I am statement beautifully. He says, you don't work for the food that perishes you. For Yeah, the food was fine yesterday, but it's going to go away. Work for the food that endures for eternal life that the Son of Man is going to give you. The Son of Man is a reference to himself. In the Gospels, other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they often will say, Son of God. But John loves to use the phrase, Son of Man. It is the most humbling title for Jesus Christ. Son of humankind, born of humankind to serve humankind. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal, Jesus says. Then the crowd says to Jesus, well, what must we do to perform the works of God? They're still fixated on the free food yesterday. Now they're asking, hey, what can we do to get free food just like you gave us yesterday? And Jesus, I think, begins to get a little annoyed, maybe even snarky. That's possible, because while he was fully divine, he also was fully human. And Jesus says, you know, you're asking this because you got a free meal. This is the work of God that you believe in the one whom God has sent. The work is not giving you free food. The work is to believe. Okay, so here's where it begins to get really real and really interesting in this Bible text. I think the crowd starts to get impatient with him. And they ask, what sign are you going to give us then so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So the crowd now is quoting Exodus and Psalms to Jesus Christ. Okay, note to self. If you really want to quote scripture to Jesus, it's not going to go well for you. 
In the beginning of John's gospel, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. That's a reference to Jesus Christ. If you want to try, quote, the Word of God to the Word of God, that's not going to work very well. I think Jesus gets fed up with them. Jesus says to them, very truly, which is Bible code language for you are not the brightest of God's children. (laughs) I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Here it comes. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus says, I get it. You got a free meal yesterday and the bread was good. I get it. But we're talking about something extraordinary here, not just bread for a day. We're talking about bread from heaven that gives life for the world. The people rightly ask, and I love this, they say, sir, give us this bread always. They set it up beautifully. And then Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The people ask, give us this bread. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The bread of heaven, Jesus Christ, sustenance for us all. So as I reflect on it, I think the first time I ever set foot in the state of Kansas happened in 1994. It was the General Assembly meeting of the Presbyterian Church USA. This is our highest governing body meeting. It's a national event. At that point, it took place every single year. And that year, in 1994, we were meeting in Wichita, Kansas. It was the site of the General Assembly. About 5,000 Presbyterians come from all over the country. Commissioners from all over the 50 states. There are people that come from all over the world. We have sister partner churches in other parts of the world, and they were flying to Wichita, Kansas. When we got the information about the logistics, we realized this was going to be a challenge. The General Assembly has, yet, has met in Philadelphia, has met in Baltimore, has met in Atlanta the year before. They've been to Orlando, Dallas, Pasadena. Those were easier places. But Wichita, Kansas. Someone said, really, was Peoria already full? Is that the problem? Is that why I went to Wichita? The coastal bias shone large and loud. Why are we going to Kansas, of all places? They put us in 14 different hotels. There were not enough downtown hotels to house 5,000 people. Even the convention center was too small to house 5,000 people with all of our committees. And so we had to use Wichita State University and the convention center and Friends University as well, three different campuses. There were shuttle services going back and forth. It was craziness. I sat next to my good friend from the Presbytery of New York City during opening worship, and I knew it was not going to be pleasant. 
Because he turned to me, and in the first three or four minutes, he began to complain about his hotel room, which was the eighth hotel out west. He said he'd missed the shuttle twice because it was full from the other hotels they were picked up first. He said he couldn't find a decent Korean restaurant in the entire area. He said that the convention center, he had two different committees he was serving on, and one of them was at Wichita State, and one of them was downtown. He had no idea how he was going to get between both of them to be able to testify. He said, this is ridiculous. I cannot believe that we are in Wichita, Kansas. We had opening worship. There was a combined choir of all these Presbyterians from southern Kansas, a whole bunch of attractive, faithful, lovely white people. He leaned to me and said, yep, see? (laughs) Then we got to the Lord's Supper, and he's, and the camera's focused on this couple and their four teenagers who are coming up the long center aisle of the convention center. They were on both screens, and they told this story. This couple and their kids owned a farm in southwestern Kansas. They were sixth-generation farmers. They were fourth-generation Presbyterians. They had been on that land for six generations. A year ago, when they heard that the General Assembly was coming to Wichita, Kansas, they volunteered, and they took the grain that they had already had from the previous season They brought their pastor in and elders and deacons and members of their little church and they prayed with their hands moving through the grain before they put it into the ground. When the wheat was harvested, they prayed over the wheat as it was coming in. When they sent it off to the mills, they prayed for the wheat at each of the different mills in town. And when the flour was shared in these beautiful sacks, they prayed over the flour as it was sent out to 63 churches throughout southern Kansas. And women and men and young people and children in those 63 churches, they baked over 4,000 loaves of bread. Large loaves and mini loaves for the General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church USA. When the bread came to me and the woman next to me shared it and she said, Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, I said, Amen. And I took the bread, and I passed it to my cynical friend from New York City, and I said, Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. And he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, and the bread of Kansas. (laughs) And I said, amen. And we passed it along. As we were leaving the convention center, These women and men and children and young people from throughout southern Kansas were there with these big baskets, and they each gave us a mini loaf of bread from that same farm, and they gave us a hand towel that someone had needle-pointed, the Presbyterian seal, a sunflower, and the words, bless you. My cynical friend turned to me and said, isn't it great to be in Kansas? Jesus says, the bread that I give you is not bread that will perish. It's bread that comes from God. It comes from heaven. The people said, rightly, give us this bread. We want this bread. And Jesus looked at him with his heart full, and he says to you right now, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whatever you are hungering for right now, you may not even know, but you trust this. Oh, by God, you trust this. Jesus Christ is the bread from heaven. He is the bread of life. Thanks be to God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.